Hello and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Suk and today I will speak with Dr. Carl Robin. You know this feeling that you meet someone and it feels as you have known each other for decades? This is how I felt when I connected with Dr. Carl Robin. Dr. Carl Robin is the author of the book Connect, Building Exceptional Relationships with Family, Friends and Colleagues. She is an award-winning teacher in leadership and director of the Arabukala Leadership Fellow Program at Stanford Graduate School of Business before co-founding Leaders in Tech, which brings the principle and process of touchy-feely to executive in Silicon Valley. In this episode, we will talk about the importance of showing up as leaders, how to bring our complete self to the workplace, and the importance of expressing our emotions to be present and connect. So stay with us. Dr. Carl Robin, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. In the last 35 years, you were faculty director of the Interpersonal Dynamics for High Performance Executive Program and director of an Abukala Leadership Fellows Program at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. You received the MBA, a Distinguished Teaching Award for working numerous courses, including the Interpersonal Dynamics, the most popular elective course at GSB for over 45 years. Wow. Except that I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, you look really young. And, and so this is amazing. And I understand that the student called it touchy feeling. So I'm really uh, curious to hear about this course. What does it mean, touchy feelings? And why do you think the student loved it so much? Well, it's connected to why they call it touchy feely. But um, let's start with the fact that you know, the students find this a transformational course because it calls into question beliefs and assumptions they've held all their lives up until then about what it means to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had certain role models. They've read certain things. And regrettably, they've been socialized to leave feelings in the parking lot. And even though I'm not sure how you're supposed to motivate anybody or inspire anybody without any feelings. And so what happens when they get into touchy-feely is they have an opportunity to experiment with speaking what's going on for them and their feelings only to discover that other people find them more influential. Other people find them more human. Other people find them courageous, not fragile not weak, but strong. And so suddenly there's this light bulb that goes on for them and says, wow, I've been half of myself hasn't been showing up, especially professionally, but often for many men, even personally. And what happens, it's so freeing for them to suddenly have an opportunity to experiment because that's what the course is based on something called the T group. The T does not stand for therapy. It stands for training. Mm -hmm. And the premise of the T group is that you're in a learning laboratory. 
And what you get to do is you get to experiment. What do we do in laboratories? You experiment. You have hypotheses and you test them. And so I have a hypothesis that if I tell you that I'm feeling a little bit unsure and a little jittery and nervous, that you will decide that I'm incompetent. It might turn out that you decide that I must be pretty strong to admit that. And maybe it's okay for you to admit that too. Now you might decide not. So that's why it's called a laboratory. And that's why you experiment. But every relationship, it's called interpersonal. The name is interpersonal dynamics. And every relationship involves two people, which means my relationship with you might be very different than my relationship with the person sitting right next to you. That's why we couldn't write a book called Five Easy Steps to Better Relationships. Uh, it's more complicated than that. Human beings are more complicated than that. But back to your question, I think the other reason the, the course has been so popular, and you know, I stand on the shoulders of my co-author. He's the one that started it 45 years ago. I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I have been around for 20 years. And I did become known as the queen of touchy-feely. And that's, and honestly, not because I was a better teacher or we had several of us who taught the course, but because I lived it. I lived, breathed, uh, slept, ate the principles of it, which is show up, be present, consider that every interaction with another human being is an opportunity to learn something, learn something about yourself, learn something about them, learn something about us. So uh, I get emails, calls from them decades later saying, predictably, this course just, you know, I'm I just became a CEO. I owe it all to what I learned from you. But I also get, I'm pretty sure you're, what I learned from you just saved my marriage. So it's the whole human being that we are, that we're giving an opportunity to develop. So it's really amazing. I love it because you're offering people to show up fully. And right, I know that you're the founder of Leaders of Tech in Tech. And you know, in the business world, it's not legitimate to bring ourselves fully, right? To talk our emotions because we are afraid it will flood us, right? Yes. And then we stop it and we're working only from our mind. And yes. then we don't bring ourselves the creativity, the compassion, all this trade that you are talking about. Absolutely. How do you experience these tools when you're working with leaders in the business world? Because it's yes. different when you're coming to a course and can show up and, you know, explore. And when you're in the business world and leading a company, right? <laughs> yes. So, so you're absolutely right. And so the book is called Connect, Building Exceptional Relationships, blah, blah, blah. But the premise of the course in the book is that people do business with people. They don't do business with ideas or machines or products or plans or money. They do business with people. So unless you learn how to connect and especially connect across differences, because it's a whole lot easier to connect with people that are just like you and think just like you. But unless you learn how to connect across differences and connect in general, you're your ability to lead others will be limited because a source of power for leaders is what we call referent power. There's lots of sources. I'm not going to even begin to suggest that that's the only source of power, but there's a correlation. The research shows that there's a correlation between using referent power as one of your main sources of power and high performing organizations. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by referent power is you're a person that other people look up to, that other people aspire, referent, 
means, you know, that I aspire to be more like you. And so you bring out the best in me. And, you know, let's talk about a few of the pieces of being a referent figure. Interpersonal dynamics is a core component of being a referent figure and authenticity. So now when we talk about authenticity, we're not talking about, I'm going to tell you everything. We talk about appropriate authenticity. And, you know, you, you might've heard me say this before, but if I'm the VP of marketing and that's the third month in a row, we've lost market share. I can stand up in front of the troops and say, well, third month in a row, we lost market share. I have no idea why. I have no idea what to do about it. I really feeling kind of incompetent, not sure I should have this job. That would be inappropriate authenticity. (laughs) But a version of that is, okay, gang, that's the third month in a row that we've lost share. So let's not hide from it as much as I might want to. And I don't think I've got all the answers. I've never needed you more. So let's figure it out together. Same message. And all you're doing is you're foregrounding certain feelings and backgrounding others. But it doesn't mean you don't feel. You know, I feel crummy about this. And I wish I had all the answers for you. And I'm hoping that actually we'll we'll become an even stronger team because we'll have to come up with them together. I really liked it because you said an amazing thing, like connect to all your feelings and you can have various kinds of feeling in the same moment, but choose which feelings you want to give place and which feelings. Exactly. That's amazing. Exactly. And by the way, you can't even do that if you don't create a discipline around accessing your feelings. That's why mindfulness, I think, is a very important element to becoming more interpersonally effective. You know, in the book, we talk about we have two antennas. One is picking up the signals on what's going on for me. And the other one is trying is, you know, honing in on picking up signals on what's going on for you. And the more mindful and present I am and aware I am, the more choice I have. This is a fundamental thing we know from from a mindfulness practice. And yet we've been so socialized to not even allow ourselves to feel, much less express feel feelings that we end up only trying to communicate from here to here. And then all of this, which is where connection is really made, doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, this is what I found in my research, that the two layers of communication, the rational communication, the cause communication, and the emotional communication. And we leave it out, the emotional, so we are not complete, showing completely in the workplace, right? Totally. And we're kidding ourselves, Karen, because... It's not like the other person can't pick up signals that you're feeling something. You're better off telling them what you're feeling. By the way, that's a case for disclosure. Disclosure is a key tenet of the course and of building exceptional relationships. And by the way, the book is called Connect Building Exceptional Relationships. But if you think about relationships, they exist on a continuum. Mm -hmm. At one end of the continuum is contact, no connection, or dysfunction. At the other end of the continuum is exceptional, but there's a whole lot in the middle, robust, functional, strong. We're not saying you have to turn every single one of your relationships into exceptional. What we are saying is there's no reason why you can't move any of the the relationships that are at the dysfunctional or contact and no connection end farther down the continuum towards something robust. 
And disclosure, coming back to the point I was just making, is a key element of that. Because the less I tell you about me, the more stories you're going to make up about exactly. me. Exactly. So I am much better off controlling my own self-definition than letting you control it. And yet when it comes to feelings, we're so afraid to name our feelings. First, we have such a hard time accessing them. And then we're so afraid to actually say what we're feeling, which is why in the appendix of the book, there's a, there's a vocabulary of feelings, which is why that was part of the syllabus in the class. And if you got an audiobook and you didn't get your vocabulary of feelings, contact us because you're supposed to. <laughs> you and I discovered that earlier. Yeah. And so what the students learn to do is they, and they carry this laminated vocabulary of feelings with them. And in leaders in tech now, the CEO founders of startups in the Valley that are going through my program all get it. And they all have now distributed to everybody in their company Amazing. and they use it. And so, I mean, a great example of how they use it. So one of the things we do in Leaders in Tech at the beginning of each of our learning sessions is we do something called If You Really Knew Me. And if you really, essentially, it's just complete that, complete that phrase, if you really knew me, and then we time it, two minutes a person. Okay, um, let's do it. And, and we're going to model it. Okay. And everybody has their vocabulary of feelings, by the way. And you have to name at least two feelings, uh, at least three feelings in the process of if you really knew me. Okay. So this, I have CEOs who are doing this with their C-suite, with their executive team. And then the first, you know, if there's seven of them, the first 15 minutes of their meeting, everybody goes around. In their case, it's 90 seconds. We can do 90 seconds or two minutes, whatever you'd like. <laughs> um, but everybody, you can't pass. And you have to say three feeling words right here, right now, which wow. is another reason it's like mind, mindfulness helps. It's not, I was feeling a week ago. It's what's going on for you right here, right now, which frankly, often is much more vulnerable. Yeah. When we talk about disclosure, we're not talking about your deepest, darkest secrets. We're talking about letting me know who you are right here, right now. So you want two minutes or you want 90 seconds? Uh, choose. <laughs> oh, you want me to choose? Two minutes is easier on my iPhone to pet. Oh, let's to, go to with two minutes. Okay. okay, I'll start. So if you really knew me, you would know that uh, that I'm really thrilled to be here with you. The minute we met and started talking, I felt an instant connection. Some of that probably is because I'm Jewish and you're Israeli. And I already know, like, think I know a lot about us, even if uh -huh. we haven't met. If you really knew me, you'd know that the Judaism has always been a really important part of my life, even though I'm not, even though I'm not very practical, I don't have an active practice, but it's a guiding principle, set of principles, tikkun olam being the most important. And my life's work is to leave the world just a little bit better. If you really knew me, you'd know that I'm really struggling right now because I had anticipated, expected, hoped that my book would be a runaway bestseller. I couldn't imagine why at a time like this in the world and in the United States, this wouldn't be something everybody thought, wow, I could really use that. I've been and I am disappointed and disillusioned and frustrated and sad because I really think I've got an important message and I don't know how to get it out there uh, better. If you really knew me, you would know that I, that the last 
four months of my life have been the hardest professional months of my entire life for those reasons. If you really knew me, you'd know that I am right here, right now, holding both that and huge gratitude and appreciation for some wonderful people in my life, uh, my husband, my kids, my new seven-month-old grandson. And, uh, and if you really knew me, you'd know that I'm a fighter and I'm a survivor. And so uh, I... There you go. That's two minutes. Wow. Now imagine if we were going to spend a meeting together and we were done with, if you really knew me, how differently we enter the meeting. That's for sure. Wow. But let's, but let's hear you and then we'll, then we'll, then we'll unpack it. So if we really knew you, Karen. So if you really knew me, you would know that I'm really was touched with what you said from your authenticity and your frank and being uh, vulnerable, wow, it really touched me. I really appreciate it. If you really knew me, you would know that I'm really passionate about my activity and my purpose in life. I can connect to what you feel that you want to spread the world and to bring to the world. If you really knew me, you, you will understand that I really connect with your essence or your passion. I think also this is what connects us both, our passion and our eager and our impatient <laughs> yes. if you really knew me you would know that I also went through a tough time in the last few years, few months struggling with the, making clear my priorities my understanding what's important for me putting boundaries and looking really looking inward to see what I want and to understand what Karen wants and not the world wants and it's really a challenging time Although I'm doing it for 20 years, but the coronavirus made me go deeper and deeper. If you really knew me, you would know that I really appreciate your being here and really excited and happy for this conversation. And if you really knew me, you you know that I'm looking for the two minutes to finish. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, that's right. You've got four seconds left. So we'll keep it. We'll leave it at that. Okay, so now you've both ex- you've experienced it on both ends, yeah. right? And we learned a lot about each other, didn't we? In yeah. two minutes, in four minutes. But you know, I'm thinking. First of all, it's amazing, and it's really being vulnerable. You choose how to disclose and how, how much to bring yourself. But I'm thinking that uh, leaders in tech and working with leaders, you say they are doing it in uh, for twenty seconds, not for two minutes, right? No, no, they do it for ninety seconds. A minute and a half instead of two minutes, depending ah, on the size of their team. And they also add a minute, which you did sort of automatically, is when the leader starts, often others will comment on how they feel with what they just heard, which is another element of interpersonal dynamics. When you said X, I felt Y. I felt this. So you started by saying you you say if you really knew me, and then you go in the circle and each and everyone says what it resonated within him. Not everybody, but there's the opportunity for people to then say for a minute, when I heard you say, and then they get to complete that. Wow. I really feel thrilled after this practice. It's amazing. It energizes and create connection. Yes. Open the space, right? For something new to emerge. It's wow. And think a little bit about what's happened to all of us over the last year and a half, which is, you know, all we do is talk to each other on boxes 
And so what's happened is tasks have become more and more foregrounded in business. Relationships have become more and more backgrounded. People are exhausted. It's hard to do this. And so they for, they do it on, on Zoom. They're all on Zoom. They're not all back in the office. They have been doing it for a year. Yeah. And it keeps them much closer to each other, keeps them much more connected. Doesn't matter that they're not being, well, it does matter that they're not together, but they have a much better sense of what's going on for each other and can be there to support each other, help each other, challenge each other. You know, Joe, that's the third time you've said that you're really annoyed with your 12-year-old who keeps, you know, leaving a mess in the room and doesn't realize you're all having to cohabitate a lot more. So I'm starting to wonder what's getting in your way of doing something about it. Or, you know, the first time I was like, oh, you know, when I heard you say that, I could really relate. I could really resonate. The third time I hear you say that, I say, so I'm not sure what to do about it. And I can feel myself feeling irritated and frustrated with you. You can be now go to the compassion aspect and see how you can help him, right? Take it to exactly. The and right. And then you go to inquiry. So what's going on? What, you know, what's holding you back? What else do you need? That's amazing. You know, I, when I with leaders, I tell them also, when you open a meeting, we don't do this practice. It's an amazing practice. Maybe I will uh, embrace it. Incorporate it. <laughs> However, I tell them, look, you can start with, if you see a frustrated employee or someone that you see that is and have a lot of anxiety or something, refer to him, tell him that you see him, ask him, how can you be with him? You know, yes. go to yes. the emotional aspect. Don't start going to the task yes. because he won't be with you, he won't be engaged. Right. And that's where inquiry, you know, which is the root of the word inquiry is quest. Get curious about what's going on for them. Which by the way, means you have to suspend judgment. You can't be curious and be in judgment at the same time. But let's say that you're sensing something's going on for somebody. You can just say, you know, I'm sensing something is off. I don't really know what it is. I'd really like to know what it is so that I don't make up a story. And I'm wondering, you know, what, you know, what's going on? Now, that's very different than why do you keep looking away, right? Why Stay away from why question. Why all, almost always creates defensiveness and a need for justification. Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? Why do you think that? Why do you feel that way? Now you're driving me automatically up into my head to explain. What is that about? What's going on? How is that impacting you are very different questions. You say only rephrasing the question, you create a different discourse. Between Absolutely. People. Language yeah. creates reality. That's for sure. You know, I think in the Western world, we're really criticizing ourselves and others and judging each and every one. Oh, yes. That's right. So I think it's we need to first to practice mindfulness, right? To accept ourselves and understand that we are not complete, that we are complete, but we're not perfect. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. And accept that. How I show up for you might work really well for you, but how I show up for someone else might require me to show up a little differently. So I'm an extrovert, probably pretty obvious. I have no trouble sucking all the oxygen out of the air uh, and you know, 
speaking my mind. When I'm I'm engaged with another extrovert, we can just, but when I'm engaged with an introvert or an introvert joins us, I really have to slow myself down and I have to allow space for the other person. And I can't do the rapid fire. That is my natural inclination. So this is not in the book, but it was part of a course that I used to teach called High Performance Leadership, which is the premise is that as leaders, we have choices that are driven from the intersection. Think of a Venn diagram, the intersection of a mental model, my beliefs and assumptions about what's effective, my skills, you know, and my style. And those three create my choices. Those choices drive my behavior. And those choices get me certain results. However, we develop those three circles and their intersection early in our careers. So imagine draw a box around those three circles. That's the context. And the problem with most leaders is they don't go back to look at whether or not those three circles and their intersection is now working in their new context. So they've they've grown, they've developed, and what served them 10 years ago or 15 years ago is not necessarily what's going to serve them today, right? Like the story in the book about my bursting out crying when, you know, when I was at that offsite with my, by the time I burst out crying, I had, I was running a $50 million business and I'd been there for 10 years. And I burst out crying because one of my, one of the guys who worked for me looked at me and said, oh my God, are, are you human after all? Cause he thought he'd seen like a water in the corner of my eye. And I had, and I was, I had gotten a little agitated and he said, are you going to cry? But then he said, are you human after all? Wow. And then I really did burst out crying. And then I tore up the agenda and said, I don't think there's anything more important for us to talk about than that. And we spent the next two days of our offsite talking about who we were, why we were there, what we wanted, how we could help each other. That's when we became a team. That's when I became a leader. But 10 years earlier, when I joined the largest industrial automation company in the world as a sales engineer, first non-clerical woman hired, if I had burst out crying two months later, I would have never gotten to where I got 10 years later. So, but I had overlearned the leave your feelings in the parking lot. Yeah. It did serve me unquestionably as a as the only woman early on in that era, especially, it absolutely served me to keep it buttoned up. But wow, did it start costing me? And I had no idea it was costing me. Wow, what a story. You know, it resonated with me. I think I told you, but when I was also leading in the last few months a retreat through my yes. struggling. So I remember in the morning before the meditation, one of the, the participants looked at my eyes and asked me, are you okay? And as she looked in my eyes afterward, I went to meditate and all went out. And I also started crying. Yes. And, yes. and, you know, I also didn't stop it. I let it be. And afterwards, even after the meditation, I was starting to facilitate and I couldn't. I was still crying. And one of the participants asked me if I want a hug. And I said, yes. A retreat before, I didn't do it, you know. So Yes, you, you yes. No, you it. powered through because that, that was the mental model you had about how you needed to be effective. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we create those mo- mental models from what we see and from what we experience. We don't just make them up out of whole cloth. But the problem is once we create them and they give us certain results, we never realize that our context changed. And maybe 
we need to update them. And that's, we're back to the power of the course. These students get to update their mental models. Don't show, don't show you the human part of you. Don't admit mistakes. Don't be vulnerable. Good luck connecting with anybody and having anybody follow you. And by the way, good luck having them tell you the truth if you're not going to fess up. That's right. You know what, what I'm thinking also about is once we let go of our assumption or our belief system, it's really a challenging thing to do because then all the yes. story told itself are going away and then we feel unpleasant emotion. I must say that I felt that when I was a, having, a, having a conversation with my spouse about our kids, and I came with my agenda and during the conversation, I let my agenda go and really tried to listen to him what's important for him in this yes. discussion. And I needed to let go of the story I came in the beginning. It was really painful. What yes. do you say about it? Well, I think I think you're I think you're right. Again, language creates reality. So it's painful and it's freeing. That's right. And freedom sometimes is scary. It's like, oh man, really? I have choice? <gasps> what am I going to do with this choice? It's so much easier if I don't think I have a choice. If I don't allow myself to believe I have a choice. So, of course, that creates a narrower and narrower way to live your life. And I think that's regrettably part of the reason that there's so much, so much disconnection. Because not only... Do, do a lot of people narrow their beliefs? They don't allow for the possibility that anybody else could have a different belief. And they vilify anybody who has a different belief. So how are we ever going to connect? Instead of thinking, getting curious and thinking, huh, wonder what would happen if I did let go of that belief? What would that mean? You don't even have to do it yet. Just allow for the possibility and see where that takes you. And, you know, I call, I call those moments when you just, you're confronted when I'll just speak for myself, when I'm confronted with something that I've held on to as a belief for, you know, my mother used to call my father, the Sherman tank, because when he set his goals on something, his, his sights on something, man, he just marched undaunted towards it. And she used to call me the little Sherman tank. You know, I inherited that from him. I'm all, I'm four foot 11. I weigh 96 pounds, but the little Sherman tank boy, when I set my sights, it was like, until I realized, and this is this painful lesson that I come back to, that when I go into Sherman tank mode, I've achieved a lot in my life being a Sherman tank. I've also left a path of destruction in my, on my way to the goal. I've also, you know, Tanks have these this little viewfinder. You can't see anything on the side. You can't see any. Never mind. You don't see the destruction behind you. You don't see that there are even any other options. So it was pretty scary to open the hatch of the of the tank and stand up and look around and say, "Oh my God, there's so much more out here." Wow. It's so much easier when I've decided, "Yeah, I'm just going after that." But we call I call those AFOGs. Another effing opportunity for growth. Depending on my my audience, I, I use the full expletive, but I don't know your listeners. I don't want to offend anybody, but AFOG, another effing opportunity for growth. That's so true. You know, when you talk, for me, it's being mindful and present because when we are mindful and present, we adopt a beginner's mind. We can see exactly. the broader picture. We can exactly. connect to our Right, we can connect to our own experience, but at the same time, see the broader picture and choose how we want to act. 
And it's amazing because most of the day we are going like the animals after yes. the surgery, right? With the corners on their head, don't see anything. Only my experience, what you said. So I think it's really needed. And this is what we need to, I think, evolve as humanity. Totally. And I think that a leader's capacity to do that is part of what makes him or her either a referent figure or not. Because when other people notice the courage that it takes to say, okay, I'm going to allow for the possibility that this is not the only way to look at the world, especially if they're on the receiving end of being seen differently than the way you've always seen them, that's power. That's true. It reminds me when I did my PhD in the high tech company, they were going through a tough times, you know, financially. Yeah. And it was amazing because the CEO told me, I don't want them to talk behind our back what's happening. I he created a meeting called all the company and communicated what's happening. He said it was transparent. He said, look, this is the situation, challenging times. We're a little bit struggling. We won't recruit anybody else. I don't know what will be in six months, but once we know, we'll tell you. And it was amazing. He was able to hold the uncertainty and be there sure, fully without giving the answers that they wanted, but showing exactly. up them. Exactly. Great example of appropriate authenticity. Yeah. I'll give, I'll give you another one because it'll tie in a lot of what I teach and what's in the book. One of my leaders in tech, CEOs, I think he called me with this story and he said, Carol, you won't believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, well, we missed a huge deadline. I found out about it on a Friday. I knew it was going to have a bad impact on our customers. I stewed about it all weekend. The more I stewed about it, the angrier I got. I was getting ready for my all hands meeting on Monday morning to blast them and say, you know, how the hell could we miss this? And what's wrong with you? And then I remembered that one of the things I learned from you is that anger is a secondary emotion. Under anger often is fear, sadness, vulnerability, yeah, hurt. And men especially are, are socialized not to express any of those things. So they, they lead with anger. So he went in the next morning and he said, so I want to, I want to share something with all of you. I went home Friday after learning about this and I was furious and I spent all weekend being furious and I was getting ready to come in here this morning and just blast all of you. And then I remembered what I've been learning in my leaders in tech. And I really started to think about what am I really feeling under the anger? He said, and I'll tell you what I'm feeling. I'm feeling, I was feeling disappointed. I was feeling worried. I was feeling burdened. I wasn't sure whether anybody else was sharing the sense of responsibility and fear that I hold about the consequences. And he said, everybody rallied instantly. They rallied and man, they turned that around and they got that thing done in record time. And they saw him as a stronger leader, not a weaker leader. Wow, it's a great story. And yes, this is what being strong, right? The new leadership, as I call it, being vulnerable, showing up. Carol, your book is amazing. I really love it. And it's really hands-on research back into your personal skills. I wanted to talk about the 15% role. Yes. Before we need to, yes. it's also connected with the context that we talked about, I think. Yes, totally. The 15% rule really comes from education research, which is that Think about three concentric circles, and this is explained more in the book, but the circle in the middle is your zone of comfort. You don't think twice about what you do or say. 
The circle on the outside is your zone of danger. In a million years, you'd never consider saying or doing that. And the circle in the middle is called your zone of learning or your zone of ambiguity. There's lots of names for it. But basically, you don't learn anything new if you stay in your comfort zone. And it's also very hard to learn something new if you're way out in your danger zone, you're too freaked out. So the premise of learning is to stretch outside your comfort zone. So the two key components of building stronger, deeper relationships are disclosure and feedback. And we haven't talked about feedback, but I think most feedback training, regrettably, is not very good. And sometimes I hear things that people have learned in feedback training. I'm like, that's not really, that's not really feedback. But feedback takes courage because if I really care about you, I'm going to tell you that something you have done behaviorally specific has impacted me in a particular way. Now we're back to, now I'm talking about interpersonal feedback, but we're back to feelings. Mm -hmm. When you repeatedly arrive late, I feel irritated. I feel worried. I don't know whether or not I can count on you. And I'm telling you this because I really value you as an employee. And I want to address this before it becomes an even bigger issue. That's when we talk about a pinch before it becomes a crunch, Mm -hmm. right? But it takes stepping outside your comfort zone to do that, just as much as stepping outside your comfort zone to share what's going on for you in the moment. It's actually another version of sharing what's going on. Now it's connected to your behavior when it's feedback. And my students used to say, but but the minute I'm outside my comfort zone, how do I know I'm not in my danger zone? It's like, I'm, you know, so we came up with 15%. Try stepping a little bit outside your comfort zone. And an interesting thing happens when you do. If I step outside my 15% with you after, and there's no terrible outcome. In fact, maybe there's even a good outcome. The world doesn't end. I don't freak myself out. I don't freak you out. My comfort zone redraws a little bigger. And then I can stretch 15% beyond that. And that's how our relationship learns uh, deepens. By each of us taking 15% risks both in disclosing and in giving each other feedback, trusting each other, being honest with each other. These are all elements of an exceptional relationship. Being willing to be vulnerable and disclosing, trusting each other, being honest with each other, confronting each other when we have a problem, learning how to deal with conflict productively. It's not like you're never going to have any conflict. You're kidding yourself, no matter how great you do all this, but how you handle it. And whether or not you learn how to repair, whether you learn how to meet each other emotionally, that's where you either move along that continuum or you stay stuck. So great. And so many tips you gave you in the episodes. Amazing. And I I highly recommend your book because it's really practical. And, you know, as I found in my research, the main central tool for leaders to lead innovative and creative organization I call it dialogue space but it actually what you talked about creating communication connection and it's essential nowadays and you really give a lot of tips practical tools how to use it so it's amazing and you're actually creating a new language that's amazing I really love your your work yeah I'm glad you said that because I think one of the things that makes the Stanford Business School unique is that so many students take the class that the language does become part of the culture 
And so they're always saying to each other, I think that's over the net. And, you know, one of the reasons that I feel I've got a long way to go with my work is that imagine what would happen if we had a critical mass of people who actually knew the language, knew to do this. I think it would be a, a different world. That's for sure. Changing the world from, from the inside out. You need to continue bringing your passion and doing your work because, yeah, we need to change the, the language, being more connected to our feelings, bringing passion, bringing compassion, bringing love, you know, right? Love. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, that's then there's a word that everybody gets like in business. Uh, love. Yeah. Well, actually, yes. It's another don't be so narrow in the way you define it expand the possibility of how it can manifest and what it means. Yeah. And love, yeah, it's not only a romantic love, it's love. You know, when I did my PhD, I remember that the CEO used the word love and the HR told me, that's strange that he talked about love, yeah. but that's exciting because, you know, he wanted to bring love to the company. So yes, I do. I admire, I admire leaders who are willing to be courageous enough to actually use the word. Yeah. So, Carol, we will uh, conclude with the love. But yes. before we finish, if you can say to our listener, can they find your amazing book where they can find about you? Yeah. So the book is on, on Amazon, easily found on Amazon. It's called Connect Building Exceptional Relationships with Family, Friends, and Colleagues. And notice we put family and friends before colleagues yeah. for a reason, because it's not an academic book and it's not a business book. It's a, it's a person book. It's a people, all people book. They can find out more about me. I'm on LinkedIn, Carol Robin, LLC. And on the back of the book is the website that connects you to our book website, which you might also want, which is www.connectandrelate.com, where you can download a free assessment for yourself, and then you can give it to other people and compare how they see you to how you see you, where you can download a, a guideline on creating your own learning group. All of these are free and just trying to lessen the barriers and create incentives for more people to just learn how to do this. Awesome. Carol, thank you very much for being with us and sharing your experience. Oh, really thank you. It. Thank you. This was Dr. Carl Robin. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. You're invited to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.